And welcome to a new episode of the StatCast with your hosts, Harrison Friedman and Sam Greenman. And we are joined by the NBA expert, overall basketball expert, Ari Cohen here today. Ari, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for asking. How about you? Doing pretty well. We at the awesome. StatCast, we're excited. We had our MLB preview last week. If you want to go and listen to that, I don't think anyone's signed quite yet. So you might enjoy that. This is going to be our NBA preview which we have a lot to talk about. We've got a draft coming up in six days. We have a trade yes, moratorium sir. lifting on Monday. So yeah, everything seems like it's happening so fast. This NBA, yeah, this NBA offseason, not to get ahead of ourselves, it's going to be over in 40 days. I think in 40 days from now, we have our first NBA game, which is kind of nuts. That's so wild. Rookie camp doesn't exist. Some teams had like 285 days off between uh, their last game and their season yeah. opener. Prospects like Alexei Pokusevsky are only going to be able to get up to 196 pounds. <laughs> yeah, but maybe they'll grow to six foot 12. <laughs> and maybe Jaden McDaniels will become a seven footer. Yeah, all right. We, we'll see what happens. Uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff. We've got free agency, which is a weird year for free agency. We've got trades, which might be an insane market for trades. And obviously we've got one of the stranger drafts we've had in a while. And we'll get into all that. But first, Milo Hamilton. Welcome back to the StatCast. All right, so of the three things that we've got, free agency, trades, and the NBA draft, which do you guys want to get into first? The f- I'm thinking trades because the first thing that lifts is the trade moratorium before free agency or the draft. That's on Monday. You can start trading players, and I think we're going to see a lot of action. Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be um, pretty, pretty action-packed, I agree. Uh, what teams are you looking at? you know, at being the most inclined to make a deal? Well, I mean, obviously the Rockets, you know, they, uh, one of their stars is not happy with the current state of affairs. And uh, it is not James Harden, so we are all happy. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Celtics have a lot of options. Um, Pacers have some assets to yeah, trade and try to get. Several options. Yeah. Yeah. And, Sam, do you want I mean, good. Um, I was thinking, you know, the Pacers are a team that definitely could be looking to trade one, if not two of their key pieces. And so it's going to be interesting to see what they try to get back, whether it's a high draft pick or, you know, a rotational piece. Um, It'll be interesting to see what they try to get back for somebody like Oladipo, who, you know, coming off of an injury, there are a lot of concerns. So it's going to be interesting to see what type of offers they can field for him. Um, I heard you know, the Mavericks might have been interested in Oladipo, the Hawks. And I think both of those could be definitely interesting fits with what both of those teams have going on. Like Oladipo in Atlanta next to Trey Young could definitely cover up for a lot of Trey's defensive liabilities. Um, and obviously Oladipo next to Luca would be really interesting as well. Yeah. I have another um, possible trade for the Pacers. So what do you think of a Pacers trade for the number two pick in the draft? I'm not quite sure what they do with the number two pick in the draft. Uh, in this scenario, they probably trade Oladipo as well, probably in a different trade. 
But Miles Turner seems like the kind of guy the Warriors might covet since mm-hmm. they've had their eyes on James Wiseman. James Wiseman is a dunk everything kind of center who sort of has the same kind of body type that Miles Turner has. Wiseman's maybe a little more filled out, but definitely more raw. Do you think that's the kind of guy who the Warriors might be looking at since they want probably at least some of a veteran presence on that team and maybe not just a rookie? Absolutely. Um, And I think that, you know, the same advantages that Turner brings to the table, Wiseman definitely brings the same, you know, type of athleticism, length, um, versatility on defense, especially, Um, you know, we saw Wiseman, you know, I thought he moved his feet pretty well and what we saw of him Um, and Turner, obviously, you know, a defensive force in the paint. And so the Warriors just, you know, need somebody to, to do like we've seen, you know, their key players can perform, but, you know, they, they just need a big man to be able to provide length and shot blocking ability. And so I think it would be interesting to see if the Pacers could trade up because obviously Turner would, I think, like, like you said, uh, be somebody the Warriors would be interested in uh, for especially stretching the floor, which I think is the one thing he has over Wiseman um, is his, his ability to hit threes, especially from the corners. Uh, he became, you know, a really, really, capable catch and shoot shooter this year um Wiseman thinks he can do it which is one Wiseman of his big knocks of prospect also, right but we also haven't seen him at the NBA level with a, a deeper three-point line you know we've seen Turner shoot you barely seen him at the college to... line honestly right yeah. exactly you know we don't have much to go on with Wiseman with Turner we have somebody who's you know shot close to uh 40 from three if not over it during long stretches of time and I think that especially in the Warriors offense he would definitely be able to get a lot of open looks uh, even more so than he was getting in Indiana. And so, um, but I think if the Pacers were able to uh, trade up for that number two pick, there are a lot of options uh, there that could be really interesting. Cause you know, as we're going to talk about, once we get to the draft, there's so much talent, you know, hidden in this draft, you know, picks five through 15, all oh, of them, man, they're stacked. potentially, yeah, it's stacked. And so, and then 15 through 40 are also all potential also, yeah, role players of, on a good team. Exactly. You know, lots of lots of talent here in this draft. And so if the Pacers have a, a high pick in this draft, it would be really interesting to see what direction they decide to go from, you know, whether it would be like an Obi Toppin or, you know. Maybe they try to that replace just, that just gets me, Oladipo yeah, with an Anthony Edwards Anthony type. Edwards, exactly. You know, um, there's – as a Pacers fan, I get excited, you know, when it when it comes to that discussion, I think it would be uh, it would be a, a really nice step in the right direction for for that front office. Yes, yeah, Sam. What kind of trades are we seeing? Maybe Pacers trades, maybe just trades in this general type of way. I haven't researched many of the Pacers trades involving Oladipo, mainly because I don't think he was going to be the one to go. Miles Turner, on the other hand, mm-hmm. the Celtics and the Pelicans both great landing spots for him. Celtics have, been, Celtics have been eyeing Miles Turner for a while because they've really needed a center. Um, hold on, i got to find it on my list. Well, I understand the Celtics, they definitely need a center, but convince me on the Pelicans because I'm just looking at this Pelicans roster, and although they've got a lot of talent on that team, I'm not quite sure all the pieces fit, even well, if you add a center to that team. Well, here's the, tr- the trade would be Holiday for Miles Turner and perhaps Jeremy Lamb as the extra money there is that all the i feel like if you're yeah i would like to see maybe the pacers get back like a jackson hayes no oh, i was I, almost I, saying i, I, I was almost saying the pelicans gonna... need more need more because drew holiday you think so terrific. i think drew drew holiday is, is very good 
but I think that that Miles Turner brings something to the Pelicans that's more rare than what Drew Holiday brings. I mean, I think Drew Holiday is a great three and D, but I think it's much easier to find a quality starting three and D than it is to find. Yeah, but Drew Holiday is also a point, a combo guard. That's true. Like, He's plays, a very good ball handler, but maybe they want to have defense. Lonzo handle the ball more. I don't know if you want to have Lonzo handle the ball more. I don't know if if you watch Lonzo ball in the bubble. I don't know if he should be getting any minutes, let alone starting minutes. That's fair. The bubble bubble Lonzo, I think, was a product of a lot more than, you know, basketball itself. I think that he was just, he's the type of person that needs to be, you know, going out, having a good time. I think, I think his mental health was definitely impacted during, you know, the whole, the whole bubble thing. Definitely. It looked like his confidence was a little bit shaken. Yeah. Um, But I think that during the regular season, he definitely showed a lot of improvement in terms of his decision-making ability in terms of his passing accuracy, especially we saw a lot of the, a lot of the dumb mistakes that he was making in his first couple of seasons start to decrease, which I thought was really good. We saw his shot selection get a lot better. And so, you know, I think maybe, maybe they might be trying to build around Lonzo as a playmaker. And if they have Drew Holiday um, in a different place, then, then maybe Lonzo will have an opportunity to blossom into one of the league's best playmakers. It's always weird what do you do in an offense like that because your main guys are a three and a four, both of whom absolutely need the ball in their hands. And so totally. you want a playmaker, but you also don't want someone who's going to like clog the floor at, at point guard because totally. if you've got that, then there's not going to be enough room for Ingram to create and, the, and or in that for sense, Zion to create. Drew Holiday is the type of person that, you know, he's not going to clog the floor. He's not going to demand the ball every time. Exactly. Unlike... Totally. Mm-hmm. Lonzo Ball is not going to demand the ball, but Lonzo Ball needs to shoot better if he wants to fit on that offense. Yeah. I mean, is is it possible that what they really need is DJ Augustine? Yeah. You know, you know, <laughs> man, they need some veteran presence at, at point guard. I am I'm going to insist totally. on bringing this up all the time. But <laughs> Orlando actually has a great offense with DJ Augustine playing. That's the, that's the only time they're actually good. I feel like more teams need the kind of guy who is – good enough on defense at your point guard if you like if you want your if i we know that this league is absolutely stacked with quality starting point guards and most of those point guards are the best player on their team mm-hmm. but for the teams where that's not true like say orlando this year where vucevic was clearly their best player or new orleans this past year where their best players were zion and brandingham or maybe like a team like the lakers you need a point guard who is not going to clog the floor and not going to need the ball and can actually score your points. You saw how we saw how important Rondo was down the stretch for the Lakers. I mean, if Rondo doesn't make those shots, I don't think they lose to Houston, but it probably goes seven games. Right. How about somebody like a Fred Van Vliet? Yeah. Getting, if we want who's, to, who's trying to get paid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, if they were potentially like we were discussing before, if they were trying to trade Drew Holiday, whether it's to the Pacers or elsewhere, and they were able to pick up somebody like a Fred Van Vliet to fill that role and get something back for a holiday and fill in a, a space that, you know, like somebody, somebody like Turner would definitely, would definitely improve them if they were able to get Van Vliet and Turner in a trade for a holiday. I think that would be looking definitely like a, like a gain for them in the long run. Here's something, the an issue with the Pelicans. The Pelicans do have a decent amount of cap space this year, but rumors have been, not rumors have been spreading. It's been pretty obvious that, they're going to have to sign Brandon Ingram to a massive extension. Now, they're if they want to sign someone like Fred Van Vliet, they've got to hold off on signing Ingram until free agency starts, then sign Van Vliet. And then I believe, do you have bird rights for restricted free agents? Uh, for restricted, 
I'm not sure. I believe they apply, but they would have to wait till then before they extend Brandon Ingram. So yeah, the the look. We're gonna get when we we've got some trade stuff to get to, and so I'll let Sam start off with maybe some of the Celtics trades or mm-hmm. some some true holiday trades. But I've got one for the Pelicans. I think is gonna send you guys for a little bit of a loop. I got a so, West. I got a Westbrook trade that's gonna send you for a loop. Oh, let's hear it. Go for it. Russell Westbrook and Eric Gordon for okay. untradeable. But yeah, Mike Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? <laughs> Interesting. Just because. Deal, deal. I'll take it. As a Rockets fan, I'll take it. But Rudy here's the thing: would fill, who fill says really no? Role. Who says no? Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I mean, Donovan Mitchell <laughs> has already expressed that he the relationship is not all daisies and sunshine with them. I, I if I'm Donovan Mitchell, I'm kind of hoping I can get a pick and roll buddy instead of some someone else who's gonna just like demand the ball and shoot even worse shots than Rudy Gobert, who has the same shot profile as Rudy Gobert. Right. I just don't know how much better the Jazz are going to get from making that trade. Like, I don't know if that trade is necessarily what's going to get them over the hump, which I think is where they're trying to go after this playoffs. Is it addition by subtraction? Well, like I said, this is the this is one of the more wild ones that I came up with. Let's yeah, let's hear some more. I want to hear. I want to hear. Give me your top three Westbrook trades. <sighs> All right, the Pelicans. Pelicans. There's two different Westbrook packages. Trade. Yeah, there's two different. Yeah, there's two different packages. Westbrook for Holiday and Redick. Or Westbrook for Holiday, Nico Melli, or Nicolo Melli, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I think the second one is probably more realistic. Yeah. I mean, I would love that first one trade, but I can't imagine that that's going to be something that the Pelicans are going to be super interested in. Yeah. I don't know. J.J. Redick is like, J.J. Redick would be a terrific player for Houston. Obviously, Absolutely. Drew Holiday would be an amazing backcourt partner for James Harden. Like, probably a better fit than CP3 was. I mean, these are all Definitely without any fit than Russ. picks involved. Yeah, the Rockets don't have any picks. Here's here's why I'm not so certain the Rockets are going to be able to trade Westbrook so easily, unless it's for like a poo-poo platter kind of thing where there's no star coming back. You're like some interesting stuff that you might have is you might get Russell Westbrook uh, to the Hornets if they really want to do that. I don't know why they would do that, except the fact that Michael Jordan's their owner and Michael <laughs> Jordan has a tendency to make really bad basketball decisions, but. <laughs> The Rockets wouldn't get anything back in that trade, by the way. The, the the trade that that would be would be Westbrook for Batum and, like, Rozier. And, like, Malik Monk. What about the pick? Number three pick? Oh, they're not getting number three yeah. pick for Russell Westbrook. Yeah, no. No? No. no. Although, Maybe... we should mention, we should mention that the Hornets absolutely want to get rid of Batum under any circumstances. They hate his contract. Yeah. 27 million. Contract. It's one of the worst contracts in the league. Yeah, maybe I would you also can hate get, that contract like, as an NBA GM. Maybe you can get next year's first round pick for that. I don't know. Like you get Russell, you say, you know what? PJ Washington and James Wiseman meet Russell Westbrook. He's going to teach you the ropes. <laughs> Is that what you do? <laughs> I just think that Bobby would look Graham. like a worse version of Russell Westbrook 2017. Yeah, I don't know what you do with something like that. Russell Westbrook. The issue with Russell Westbrook is he wants to go to a place that's sort of like his OKC days. That place doesn't exist. There's no kind of place that exists where Russell Westbrook is going to be the main guy. I don't know. Detroit. Russell Westbrook could go to Detroit, but Detroit. Yeah, they would trade him for Blake Griffin. <laughs> I'd do that. I would actually do that trade. I'm serious. I'd do that trade. I mean, I have it down here. What about Christian Wood? Christian Wood. Well, Christian Wood's a free agent. Christian. Oh, Wood you're right. He will be a free is... agent guy of my dreams and free agency you're gonna hear what i have to say about him yeah i Uh, former christian former uh rocket summer league player 
That's who we originally. That's who we originally signed with in summer league. I remember huh. way back in the day. I don't even know how long it was. Probably like five years, maybe six years ago. Christian Wood and Robert Covington, I think, were on the same G League team. I love that. That's a nice. Or thing summer to... league team. Summer league team. Yeah, the Rockets like. The funny thing is the Rockets obviously can't really develop prospects, which is a little embarrassing. But so they've got Covington. He bounces around the league and it eventually ends up really good. And so they end up giving up a first rounder in Capella for him. And now Christian Wood is good. And the Rockets would do anything to get their hands on him because he's a perfect fit for their team. But they're not going to be able to. Yep, unfortunately. I feel like Christian Wood in Houston would really be a dream come true for just basketball lovers. Yeah, I mean, like he's a perfect five within that system. He and P.J. Tucker together. They don't. They would be great on the floor together because they both can shoot. They would be great with either one of them on the floor. It would just be a really good combination. Yeah. Get rid of Russell Westbrook. If you could somehow get rid of Russell Westbrook and replace him with Christian Wood, that's amazing. Like that's the kind of thing where like if you're the Rockets and you can get rid of Russell Westbrook for like the poo-poo platter kind of thing, and then you somehow can maneuver it so that Eric Gordon is also gone and you have a little bit of cap space. Or maybe like Detroit wants to do a sign and trade or something like that. And you get yeah. Christian Wood like that. That's the only way I can see it happening. Yeah, I can but, imagine a sign yeah. and trade with Christian Wood. I think, you know, a lot of Houston fans have him on their radar Yeah. Uh, this offseason. Um, I mean, I also think he's somebody that would be really interesting in a system like Boston's. I have a, I have that down, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have another... I, Westbrook I have five fits for him. Actually, do I have six fits for him? Yeah, I've I've got fits for him in OKC because he's perfect with either CP3 or uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander because the, he's the five that they kind of need in their system because the fives they've been throwing out, like Steven Adams, that's a guy that doesn't work in today's NBA. And Erlen Snowell is not a good enough basketball player to really make that work. He would be wonderful in Toronto as a guy who replaces Marcus Gasol, who I don't believe is going to be in the league this year and regardless is at a free agent at the very least. Right. And so he's a great fit next to Pascal Siakam because that's another talented offensive and defensive player who like they both can play the five and play the four and defend both those positions well. Siakam obviously can defend a lot of positions well. I think he'd be great in Boston. I think he would be terrific in Charlotte. You pair him with PJ Washington. That's a really good mix of guys to go together because Washington's that really like tenacious uh, like, like college player. It's mm-hmm. it's like he's just a classic college player. Uber athletic. And, yeah, and he's just like a scorer, which is really impressive. Mm-hmm. I, I like PJ Washington. I'm buying all the PJ Washington stock. No, but, me too. Absolutely. I've, yeah. I've loved PJ Washington since I first saw him play. Yeah. Phoenix. We're gonna mention Phoenix a lot. I think Phoenix would be a wonderful fit. Where the the one issue with Christian Wood is that once again it's a short off season, so we don't know. Uh, like if he can really bulk up because he probably should bulk up a little bit to play the five. But if you go to Phoenix, you put him next to DeAndre Aiden and then he doesn't have to play the five. Yeah, that's right. a lo- that's a terrific fit because he's at the four. He's going to space the floor for everyone on that team. Um, the only place he doesn't really fit, in my opinion, is Atlanta. That's just because John Collins is sort of a, a lot like him, even if it's like 80% like him, not a hundred. Uh, I'd say more than, more than 80%, probably like 90, 92% like him. the defense, the defense <laughs> is interesting. I like wood better on the defensive end. I like wood better on the defensive end too, but John Collins is not yeah. a, no slouch on defense. Yeah. But John Collins is a solid chop blocker, but better in the pick and roll better in the pick and roll. I think he's be- a better catch and shoot shooter as well. I think the has numbers, more bulk to him. Yeah. Oh, definitely has, has more size can box out um, but, the true actually, fives very well 
Christian Wood shot over 80% on shots that he created in the pick and roll as a roll man. So nice. Yeah, I know. Right yeah, there. that was on on like passes to the rim more yeah. so than like catch and shoot opportunities, though. Exactly. That's what yeah, that's when he gets the ball and just goes up. Right, exactly. Yeah, he is yeah. he's a dog, Christian Wood. All right. So and the paint. I don't have a lot of trades here. I got a lot of draft stuff, so mm-hmm. I'll be quiet after this. But Brandon Ingram is not a great fit next to Zion Williamson because Brandon Ingram is the kind of guy who needs the ball in his hands. We saw this in Los Angeles when Ingram and LeBron were on the floor together. It didn't quite work out. The Pelicans have a actually a decently good defensive rating with those two together on the floor, but their offensive rating is way is one of the worst of any of their like two guard of two person lineups on the floor with Ingram and Williamson together because they don't quite create in the same way. And I feel like Ingram just needs the ball in his hands a little more. I think Brandon Ingram makes more sense somewhere like Atlanta. He's the perfect kind of guy to have a point guard like Trey Young as the one feeding him, like giving him space because obviously he's incredible to catch and shoot, but also taking some of the burden off Trey Young because of how terrible we've seen that the Hawks are when they don't have someone there. So if I'm New Orleans, I kind of love the Christian Wood Zion Williamson front court. And is there any chance that they, you think, trade the rights to Brandon Ingram to like, sign and trade Brandon Ingram basically to the Hawks, who have a ton of cap room, get the number six pick out of it? And then now you've got Christian Wood. They're obviously trade Drew Holiday, but maybe you you do that for some some other kind of uh something else and then you've got the six pick you've got zion you got christian wood you could draft like devin Vassell there you could draft killian hayes tyrese halliburton a lot of people who could fit with that offense am i crazy no the pelicans have been in like one of the teams mentioned for the number six pick um in trade talks the other team is actually the celtics um that want and the timberwolves who want that number six pick um because yeah there's a lot of options there um the package might be if they're only trying to get the number six pick then i think brandon ingram's a bit overkill i think atlanta would have to throw in something else especially since they throw in like deandre hunter maybe they throw in like a 2021 pick also unprotected i just i feel like the pelicans don't want to let brandon ingram go before he hits free agency because that contract right now is very valuable that's understandable although you could make like a deal under the table where yeah, I mean, I, I could. I suppose you could just break all the rules. No, just be like, well, this we want the six pick in the draft. Why don't you just pick for us on draft night? I we're, we're really we're really feeling um Tyrese Halliburton. Maybe you guys should uh take him there. But I don't know, Sam. Let's get into some more of your trades. What else have you got for us? Um, if we want to stay on Westbrook, then I have a magic trade. That if you're looking for a perfect Rockets five, look no further than Aaron Gordon. I was thinking Nikola Vucevic would convince me on Aaron Gordon. Well, I mean, Aaron Gordon has, I believe he's 6'9", 6'10". So I think he'll have roughly the size um, that the Rockets are looking for. The package would also include Terrence Ross and either Alfred Camino or Markel Fultz, whichever one the Magic don't want. I am a full, I remain a Fultz believer. Uh, somehow i'm not quite sure why i still am but i still believe in markel fultz i think yeah, i'm not sure decent last year. i'm not sure why you still believe in markel fultz either i think most of us have given up on markel fultz at this point i think markel fultz is a good shot creator i do not believe his shot is great but i believe he can create a sh- his own shot and that's right, but a if skill he can create the shots but yeah. have a tough time finishing them then it's a little bit difficult to be a franchise point guard 
regardless of being a franchise point guard, I'm fine with him like being this my second unit guy is like his his peak, which I mean is not what you want for the number one overall pick in the draft and not like on the board with like, oh, he's the next James Harden, which a lot of people were saying when he was picked. Right. I just kind of believe that he hasn't reached his potential. He was one of the youngest guys in his draft, I believe. And he can get there. He's just had a strange way of getting there. If obviously like if the Markel Fultz today was a senior coming out of college, I don't know. I don't know how we'd view it, but like He's not, I don't, I don't know. He, that, it's a, it's an entirely strange and unique situation where you don't really know right. what the guy can be, but he was fine last year. Right. And I just, think, yeah, but he wasn't it really just depends on the perspective. Yeah. Like if you, if you want to view him as, you know, just your, you're a good rotation guy, then great. Yeah. He's a good rotation guy. But I just, you know, I don't think if you're, if Markel Fultz is your, your starting point guard going forward, I don't think your franchise is going to be contending anytime soon. Oh, that's yeah. a roast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's not the Magic starting point guard. They're starting point guards, DJ Augustine, as I mentioned. Right. They were a playoff team this year. Right. So, I mean, saying Markel is, yeah, Markel is a, is a good rotational guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sam, what else have you got? You've got a lot of Holiday and Westbrook trades. You got any other interesting ones? Yeah, I got Chris Paul trades. Um, I was dead, oh. very interested to see how the Knicks could possibly get anybody and why they would want to. They would have to <laughs> trade Wayne Ellington. Bobby Portis, Frank Nitalikina, yeah, Kevin Knox, and probably some picks to get Chris Paul to make the salaries match up. Why not? Just do it. You don't yeah, need any of these guys. They really yeah, miss yeah, you know, what is guys? depth? What is depth, you know? Are what those is... guys depth? Are, there, are those guys dead weight? Bobby I'm Portis saying, yeah, probably, they can pays, start over probably with... pays 30 minutes a night. I would say the Knicks are probably better off just starting from scratch. Just so clean then, slate. So then why get Chris Paul? Because Chris Honestly, Paul is really good with a clean slate. We saw that in OKC yeah, last year. but if year. you want to clean the slate, then you don't want to win games. Chris, Chris Paul, Paul is going to make Barrett, you win some games. Trade the eighth pick for the Celtics' three picks in the first round. You're done. What? You're no, why would why would the Celtics trade their three picks? Uh, because the Celtics roster is going to get overloaded with a bunch of players who don't play, like uh, the Time Lord and Grant he Williams. He plays. He also plays. He plays a little bit. but They like, all play a little bit. It's these cutesy guys who, cutesy? I don't know. If they're ever going to be like starters <laughs> on a championship team, Grant Williams have, didn't miss. I'm pretty sure he only missed like two threes in the entire playoffs. You know, you know what you could do? You could uh, trade up to the eighth pick and then draft Patrick Williams, and then you have three guys who are undersized fives who can actually play make a decent amount. Right, but why all do you from need big three 12, guys? All from Big Twelve schools, I think too. Right, Patrick why Williams do we need three guys 12. all fulfilling the same role? Grant Williams was Tennessee. He was SEC. And wait, that's all SEC schools. No, Robert about? Williams was is A and M. No, Robert A and M is SEC. Tennessee is SEC. But actually, Florida State is ACC. So no Big Twelve. But it's been a long time since A and M was in the Big Twelve. I don't miss those days. I'm sure you don't. Nah. I, well, you want, why do you want an extra trash team in your division over here? All right. Here, here's another. Out. Here's another holiday trade that goes to the one team that has the. Two ideal trade candidates, Will Barton and Gary Harris. Why are they the ideal trade candidates? Because they're both about $50 million and they both have upside. I'll take it. Well, upside, I would say Will Barton is a good defender and you can't expect anything else from him, but... No, you can expect him to hit shots if inconsistently. I mean, I would say, you know, he could, he definitely had moments in that playoff run. What, was Will Barton healthy during the playoff run? That's the other part of it. Neither of them have really been healthy at the same time. Yeah, he has he has had a little bit of issues with health. Yeah. It's true. I, I prefer Gary Harris, although I think Will Barton is a fine defender. But mm-hmm. 
And here's an, here's another Chris Paul trade that's been rumored. The Suns, right? You've been hearing about the Suns. Like, why the heck I've do heard they? Of this. Why yes. do they want Chris Paul? Well, the trade makes sense. It's Paul for Rubio, Ubre, and and Mike and Mikael Bridges. No way. I don't. What do you mean that, no I, way? Nah. The, the Suns, what they've been doing so well is being able to have guys like Ubre and Mikael Bridges, who you can actually build around. I love what they've done with their wings and like getting guys like you can't just replace. Oubre but but the Suns have so many wings. The they have so many wings. Yeah, but those are their only good wings. Who else do they have who's a good wing? Devin I think Chris Paul will do exactly what Ricky Rubio did, except a lot better, and he'll shoot more consistently. Yeah, so upgrade. So definitely an upgrade. I feel like and Rubio's a better culture I think that, fit. What was that? I think Rubio's a better culture fit for that team. I don't know about that. I think Chris Paul definitely... You're not getting Chris Paul for the culture fit. Yeah. I think Chris Paul definitely brings a great veteran presence. And I think that Chris Paul tends to play very well with young wings who he can allow to develop. And, you know, he gives them a lot of space, I think, like he did in OKC yeah. with Shea Gilgis Alexander. So why trade away your young wings? Like what happens if the you're draft trading one, You're trading away one Yeah, you still wing. have Devin Booker. That's your, you said, your main young wing. Devin Booker is a two. He's not a wing. Which is a wing. It's a wing. It's technically a wing. Fine. Yeah, I count, he, he's fine. a wing scorer. The forwards. The, the, it, what the Suns don't have is enough forwards, not wings. I should clarify. Forwards? If you say the bridge. What? Forwards? They Small have Small forwards. Small forwards. Whatever. Baines can stretch to the three. Mikhail Bridges and Kelly Oubre are the two guys you don't want to replace. They're, they were key to the run that they had in the bubble when they went 8-0 and missed the playoffs. Well, I mean, that's the only I real mean, trade that's made, that makes sense with money. Then you can't get Chris Paul. I mean, sorry. But no, you're you not the Suns GM. You're not. That's not. Yeah, Robert Sarver isn't like leaning over my shoulder, just oh, like God. holding a knife Robert to my neck, Sarver. demanding I make a move. Man, God bless that woman that like absolutely flamed Robert Sarver at like a, a town hall meeting. Secretly, one of the worst owners in sports. I don't know how secret, but like he's the kind of guy who like most people would probably know James Dolan, but not everyone knows just how bad Dan Robert Snyder. Sarver, how bad he's been for that long. Dan Snyder, everyone unfortunately knows. Dan Snyder, ooh, ish. Dan Snyder is—is is he the worst? Out of touch. I love that how many worst owners we have in professional sports, but I'm glad that that Tillman Furtada, which is not how you say his name, and the Ursays aren't great either, uh, is now up for the contender. The what? Yeah, the yeah, the, the Ursays. Neither of neither of the Fords. Yeah. Nope. But how about yeah. Robert Kraft though? Robert Kraft. I mean, I. Don't know how many other uh, owners have been on. All right, here we go. Here we go. Uh, in a massage parlor, but yeah, here we go. Let's uh, let's, let's we can trend somewhere else. <laughs> how about the draft? Uh, well, do should we go over some more trades? I have one. Or do you I have, have any? I have, have one more. Say? One more interesting trade. Go for let's it. Hear it. Pelicans trade Holiday and Melly to the Heat. Oh, for I'm Ig- liking this. For Iguodala, Olenek, and Tyler Hero. Oh, I like Damn. it. Damn. That's a spicy trade. Oh man, that's Jimmy Butler. Like, is just imagining how well the team is gonna defend, and like, is this like tears are streaming down his face? I mean, like, Tyler Hero, man, I love you. You can't play defense, even if you're like an absurdly good shooter. But my question is, long term, is Drew Holiday an upgrade over Tyler Hero in five years? The Heat's window is right now, not in five years. Yeah, That's true. I mean, Jimmy Butler is not going to be, like, amazing in five years. Jimmy Butler is going to be good as long as he's in his athletic prime because he plays hard, but you can play really hard and not succeed, as we've seen with someone like Russell Westbrook. 
with a quad injury sapping him of everything he needs. Can we stop with this? Russell Westbrook literally didn't miss a game for like first six years of his career. I know, but when Russell Westbrook gets like a quad injury or something like that, then that's bad news for him. That's I what mean, I mean. He looked pretty good last year. No, but I mean in the bubble, after oh, he gets well, after I he gets that injury, bubble, yeah. the explosiveness comes up. Nothing like, that, that happened, happened in the bubble Jamie really Butler. counted. The older Jimmy Butler gets, the more likely that is to happen to him. I feel like yeah, so, he should go for it now. The we don't know if the Bucks are going to have Giannis in two years. He could be in the West, for all we know, or he could be on Toronto, obviously. Or the on Celtics, the Celtics, like maybe or the, the time is exactly. now I because say. I would say Bam and Jimmy are more developed than Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Toronto, like you don't actually know if they're going to be good since they seem to just fade away in the playoffs. Uh, and when they don't have an, a top three player in the league like Kawhi Leonard. So, if, yeah, if I'm the Heat, I think Drew Holiday, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo is such an astounding – Duncan Robinson. I mean, just those those are three are just such an astounding defensive trio. Oh. That, yeah. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah. Do you, Are you able to stop uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis? That is another question, but I think that's a question that everyone is trying to answer and ca- trying to pretend that there's nothing we'll have to do. And – Honestly, if you're the Heat and the Warriors are able to topple the Lakers, then you're a perfect matchup for the Warriors because you can defend them at all three positions. So, Especially if you have Drew Holiday. Exactly. You got Drew Holiday on Steph. You got Jimmy Butler on Clay. You got Bam on Draymond. I mean, Draymond's not really an offensive guy at this point in his career, but that matches up well. You just hope you get a little lucky. That's, that's going for your window. It sucks losing Tyler Hero, but that's going for your window. Totally. You and know then, what? And I then, totally hear the upside. And then in New Orleans, yeah. And then New Orleans, you've got Tyler Hero learning tricks the trade from JJ Redick on top of like the stuff he already knows and being the balliest guy in the league. Tyler Hero in Zion Williamson running like those little dribble handoffs that the Heat do. Oh my God, that's yes, that's absurd. Because Zion is so wide, he sets such wide screens. I feel like that yeah. would be a perfect fit for Tyler Hero. Totally. Oh my goodness. Well, with that, I'll drop the trade paper because that one definitely stirred you guys up. That's my totally. favorite trade of the night for sure. That's that's a trade where both teams are looking at that long and hard like hurts, but I kind of want to go for it. Right. It's just appealing, very appealing to both sides and definitely a lot of room for improvement from both ends of that trade in terms of where the, both of those teams can go from here. Yeah. that's It's, it's a trade that helps both teams. Totally. So. The, the Heat don't need Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero is wonderful to have because he raises your ceiling, but they don't need him. So, I think they do need a guy like Drew Holiday, though. If they truly want to contend next year, they need somebody who's going to be able to hit a big shot in a big moment and somebody who's going to be able to defend the best ball handler on the other team. And Tyler so that Jimmy Butler can, can go to work. Yeah, Tyler Hero can only do one of those things, not both. Correct. And Drew Holiday can definitely do both of those things very well. Absolutely. Yeah. If that happens, I think the Heat become... Uh, not favorites, but I would say that they would be my second favorite in the Eastern Conference. And that's sure their odds do. definitely improve from where they were at this time last year. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, we can move to the draft. I have, as you might imagine, many, many, many takes on the draft. But Ari, who have you got? What 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 are some prospects that you've got your eye on in this draft? So I've been looking at um I really like Tyrese Halliburton. Um oh, me too. I love his playmaking ability. Uh, I think that it's just as good, if not better than uh, LaMelo's in terms of his decision-making. And he doesn't make nearly as many mistakes as LaMelo. Uh, yeah. 
Um, and so if you're, you know, looking at a playmaker, I think Tyrell Terry has been uh, overlooked by a lot of people. I think he's great. Uh, Cole Anthony. Oh, this is going to be controversial. I like Cole Anthony. Um, I've heard a lot of skepticism about his shot selection, a lot of skepticism about also his decision-making, um, his defense especially. But I think that in a situation, in the situation that he was in at North Carolina, he was kind of forced into that alpha role, which I don't think that, like, if he's taking he where wants he's projected it. He to be wants taken, it. He wants that alpha role. I'm not sure if that's the best fit for him, though. Even though he wants it, I'm not sure if that's the best fit for his I game. Right. Because I think he just needs to to settle into a system um, somewhere like, I think that if, I, I don't think Golden State is going to take him number two. But I think that that he's would be a really 10. nice fit for him to develop yeah. behind Curry. Um, Brooklyn? Brooklyn with I think uh, Brooklyn Kyrie would be really a really interesting fit because he wouldn't be forced to be the number one ball handler on that team. He'd never have to start because he and Kyrie aren't a good fit in the backcourt. Together. Exactly. And I think Spencer Dinwiddie would be would be a you know a better a better starter in that situation, obviously. And so um I think that would be a really interesting fit. I think Halliburton would be a really good fit for the Nets as well. Oh yeah, but the Nets obviously are not gonna be able to get a guy who's gonna go in like the top seven or eight. Not necessarily. How, it, really, how, it really just depends yeah. on on I think this this draft could go anywhere. That's true. We've uh, like we hear that apparently teams in this league, like, there are some guys who are in some teams top five who are in other teams top 30 or even on their draft board. Exactly. We're going to have some craziness here. Um, you're, I'm going to talk about my two favorite players in the draft. And I have been on these guys since like last February or March as my top two players in draft. I remember telling this to Sam after a podcast, like these are the guys who we're going to look at for. I obviously did not think the draft would be in November. I thought it you know, would be the usual time in June. But my two favorite guys in the draft, I'm not saying these are the best guys in the draft with the best future in the draft. My favorite guys in the draft are Killian Hayes and Obi Toppin. So I, yeah, Killian Hayes, um, but he's the kind of guy, he can become like a team-defining point guard. He's the guy who like, you look at a team and like, who's, who's their go-to guy? Yeah, it's Killian Hayes. Because he's got the ability to actually create his own shot which a lot of guys his age do not have. A lot of guys in this draft do not have, but he can create his own shot both at the rim and he can create his own shot with the step backs that we've seen in those highlight videos from Ulm in Germany, I think, the team that he's on. Um, but yeah, people are questioning his shot. People are questioning a lot of players' shots because that's the number one thing you look for. And it's kind of funny how many guys in this draft are just like have questionable shooting and then and a lot of the rest of them don't have questionable shot creating Killian Hayes the shot creation is there the shooting is decent I think his form is good enough and he's got the ability he's got he makes enough free throws and we see that free throws you know usually project relatively well to three-point shooting in the NBA totally really good but yeah the dude's got great vision he's a really good defender he's like six foot five which is a really good frame for a guy who could be your starting point guard uh he's one of the youngest players in the draft, he get to the rim. And I think like, I don't know, you've got a guy like Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey is well-known because he was on Kentucky, a blue blood, and he won some big games for them. You put Killian Hayes in that Tyrese Maxey situation, and I think that he is absolutely racking up points and putting up highlights, and that he's a no-doubter top five pick. And some totally. people aren't even putting him in the top 10, which is kind of bonkers to me. I so, agree. Yeah. 
he might slip to a team like Phoenix, which would be a wonderful fit for, for him. I think like you don't need a need a Chris Paul if you're Phoenix. If you get someone like Killian Hayes to grow in the backcourt, you keep you keep Ricky Rubio there. Uh, and I think he's a really good player. He would be a really good player for the Knicks as well. For the kind of guy who like that's the guy who you pair with RJ Bird. Obviously, yeah, got a French point guard uh, with questionable uh, shot making abilities. And a good defensive player is an interesting uh, choice for the Knicks. Well, with Frankie Smokes uh, and the way he's paid out at the eighth pick of the draft, even. I hope he does not go to New York. I have a feeling if he goes to New York, he'll waste away. I kind of don't think so. I think he's the kind of guy who works next to RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett is the guy I'm worried about wasting away from last year's draft because he needs spacing around him. And yep. it's it's he's got the opposite of that in New York. And so I think Killian Hayes to New York is a good fit. I think Killian Hayes to the Suns are good, but I think he's a decent fit in Detroit as well. Hopefully, he's more Tony Parker than uh, Frank Nilakina. Yeah, <laughs> we can hope that. But he's got a little James Harden in his game. Yeah, he's, he's a bit he's more a bigger of a, guy. Yeah, I was gonna say he's a he, Tony Parker was a little bit more slight. Yeah. Than Hayes, I think Hayes uses his his body and uses his weight a little bit more than than Parker did. He can, he can clearly create a shot better than Frank Lanthiga, by the way. I have not seen Frank Nilakina even once attempt a step back three. And if he has, I assume it would be shown on not Sports Center the whole time for how many feet he missed the rim by. But yeah. So I yeah, think, I'm yeah, just, the, those are my fits I, there. I, like the seven to 10 range, in my opinion. It, yeah. I think I, I hope New York goes for somebody who, like, I mean, I think what they're going to do is probably go for somebody who they know can know, who they know can make shots and create shots. I think Hayes fills that role. Um, I think that they think LaMelo Ball fills that role. I don't think LaMelo Ball fills that role, but a lot of people disagree with me. I think LaMelo Ball is probably the most polarizing figure in the draft. Um, God, I hope not. I know they and Detroit both want LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball is not who you want. Those teams should be looking at Tyrese Halliburton and Killian Hayes. I agree. Stay away from LaMelo Ball. I agree wholeheartedly. I, I mean, I think if either one of those teams takes LaMelo Ball, um, it'll be for the wrong reasons. Um, and I think Halliburton, and like you said, um, like you said, uh, who was the other guy you just mentioned? It was Halliburton. And uh, Killian Hayes. And Killian Hayes. Um, I think both fill that role a lot better than Lamelo does. Yeah. My other guy, like I said, is Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin, he's a controversial topic in draft circles. Some people have him in their top three. Some people don't have him in their top 10. Uh, there, it's because there are very obvious questions with him and very definitive answers with him on one end you've got a guy who was the best player in college basketball last year on the other hand he was 22 but also he never really developed because he wasn't like a top prospect coming out of high school and he's like not as he's not as like i don't know fundamentally sound in the game you notice like after a lot of his dunks he's like oh my god did i just do that when he plays in college he plays with that like i can't believe i just that just happened to me. And so that screams future growth to me. He was definitely the most polished offensive player in college last, last year. He had a PR over 30, which is not that easy to do. Uh, I think the only two players to have a PR over 30 last year in college basketball were Brandon Clark and Zion Williamson, if you might have heard of. I don't know. Have you heard of those guys? Um, so at the same time, even like as much of he's a crazy dunker, he's crazy athletic, he can shoot threes easily. He's actually got a lovely looking shot he was shooting like nearly 40 percent on them for the season and like pull up jumpers uh catch and shoot stuff in the corner 
He can drive to the rim. He can finish with power. He can finish with finesse. But he's also the kind of guy who is an absolute zero on defense. He might He's a negative on defense because he has no lateral movement. If you watch any clips of him trying to play defense, he can't find his man. He can't stay with the ma- his man when he's on, in a one-on-one. He's not a good help defender. He can block a few shots, but it's not like it's not that pretty. He guesses wrong all the time. He's the kind of guy who really needs to be in the right situation because he could have his confidence shot immediately if teams are just bullying him time after time on offense like he ones can get past him twos can get past him threes can get past him fours and fives everyone can get past this guy i've so, also i've also kind yeah. of seen this but um i feel like the way this the things that i've watched on him is that he can very much um he can very much be coached better i yeah. don't think it's something that Absolutely. he can't yeah that's i was that's gonna say exactly the same thing yeah yeah like there's some stuff which is like, yes, obviously he moves like a giraffe, as people have said on the internet, because he's just got, he, he just looks like he's, he's too tall. You don't know where he's going. Like his shoulders are moving. Are his legs coming along with the ride? You don't even know if that's going to happen. But yeah. also like, I think that there, we might see some teams a little scared of him. Uh, so let's say Denny Avdia gets taken before Cleveland. I think Cleveland takes Obi. But I don't know if there's another team outside of maybe New York in the top 10 that's going to be looking at him. And so he might fall to 11. I think San Antonio is a I was about to say San Antonio would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Because Greg Popovich is the absolute guy to take a chance on him. We know Tim Duncan mm-hmm. just left the team for we don't know what the reason is, but like maybe bring him back a little bit. Maybe be like, hey, Obi could be the next you if you just like teach him how to play defense. Longer. Maybe invite David Robinson even to just like uh, teach him a few tricks. Yeah. But teach him how to move his feet. I think once once Obi Toppin improves his defensive awareness and his defensive IQ, like the sky is really the limit. Because even if he's just passable on defense, I think his offense is, his potential on that end is just through the roof. And I think that in the right system, if he, you know, if he has the right coach, he can really, really flourish in a role where where he is yeah. you know the main shot maker we saw what happens when you put a guy with a star offensive talent on a playoff team and who's also not put all together yet we saw michael porter jr just star for the nuggets on some plays and then on exactly. others just make boneheaded mistakes and so like that's the kind of guy who you're like yeah i'm actually okay with having him on my team because he's got such high potential the question is whether you think his defense can be fixed because if it can then suddenly you've got a really star player, like a guy who you absolutely can, like Amari Stoudemire gets, like is the kind of guy that he gets compared to a lot, but I sure. think Charles that, Barkley. Uh, Amari wasn't shooting threes the same way. I think so. Charles Barkley was a good comparison. When I when I heard somebody say Charles Barkley, uh, I heard Larry Johnson. I thought it was Larry a very Johnson good comparison. Is, Larry Johnson's a good comparison. Um, yeah. I heard, um, I heard somebody even say like, Wes Unseld because of his his offensive IQ is excellent he's undersized and his defense you know obviously is lacking and I think Unseld was kind of in the same the same class in all all those categories the issue is what happens like if he's on a playoff team because he's gonna get Mm -hmm. switched to hell so I don't think he makes sense on a contender I don't I also don't think he makes sense on a rebuilding team because then like he kind of gets exploited a little bit. He learns some bad tendencies. I think he fits on the kind of team which is like close to playoff contention, but not quite there yet, which is why I like him on a team like San Antonio or right. not a team like Cleveland. I also kind of like him on New York because I think he's a good fit next to Mitchell Robinson. What about Minnesota? 
No, because that's a team that's again going to have no defensive players on the entire court. So, right, right. What direction do you think they're going to go with their pick if they decide? Minnesota. To- oh, man, this is a tough one. So, Sam, what do you think about this? What do you think Minnesota is going to be doing? Well, there's been talks that they're going to tra- gonna trade out of it. There's talks that they also want to keep uh, the sixth pick uh, or want to get the sixth pick. Yeah. Um, I think number one. Anthony Edwards has looked awful at his uh, workouts, and yeah. I think they might accidentally go Lamelo Ball. <laughs> oh no! What do that you do? Be, I think that would be wrong. It would be wrong, but it's almost like it's. It would be as if somebody got a boner for somebody because of a Senior Bowl, except the, except <laughs> except that player was oh actually God. except the player at the Senior Bowl was actually good. That's the difference. I mean. If you're the Timberwolves, I think you have to. If you're not sold in Anthony Edwards, you absolutely have to trade the pick. Whether it's a Charlotte at number three who want to make sure that Golden State doesn't take James Wiseman from them, or for the exactly. team like seven or eight who really, really want the mellow, I don't know what we're gonna see. But it Anthony Edwards will would fit if he hits his star potential. If he's a little Andrew Wiggins like, which I think he was. I think he was better in college than Andrew Wiggins was, but not by enough. Then we'll see what happens. Listen, the guy's the guy's an athletic freak. It's not like he isn't probably one of the most talented players in the entire draft. The issue is everything else that comes with it. It's like the not caring a lot, the bad jumper, the bad defense, even though he should be a good defender. Questionable it, shot selection. The questionable um, of just what's going on in his head. Absolutely. Awareness. The mentality. Yeah, bad shot selection. You're exactly right about that. The guy, he's there's too many guys in this draft who think that because they've hit a few outside shots, they can just keep doing it every time. James Wiseman is absolutely the worst, worst. And I like James Wiseman as a prospect. I think he's going to be one of the best players in this draft because he's got a relatively high floor. But James Wiseman, if you watch like his high school tapes, because there wasn't any college to watch of him when he wasn't dunking over like the 300th best team in college basketball, like he's just like, hmm, am I 15 feet from the basket, like on the side of the hoop? I think I should just pull up over this guy because, you know, I'm taller than him when he could have just taken the guy off the dribble or passed to anyone and then rolled a little bit and said he's clinking shots off the rim against high schoolers. He's a high schooler too, but still. I think it's really just a product of the college coaching um, where they're trying to encourage guys to shoot a lot of jump shots so that NBA scouts will look at them, um, you know, in a way, you know, that's more reminiscent of the NBA game. Uh, But, you know, I think there's something to be said for that because the NBA game does have a lot of three pointers. And so if James Wiseman is clinking these 15 footers in college, then what is, you know, in high school, all these players, like we didn't see any college, anything in college. It's really all a symptom of, I think, of of Golden State's success um, and at the end of the day. And so yeah. and so I really just I think it's just a, it's all a product of where the NBA is going. Uh, and I guess we'll we'll in the future, it'll really be a question in every single upcoming draft of how well can every every single one of these guys shoot. I think that's always going to be the number one question from now on in future drafts. That's a question that we've got right now. And there are a lot of guys you see someone like Aaron Nesmith or someone mm-hmm. like Devin Vassell Devin who are Vassell, great yep. shooters, but they're not great creators. I love Devin Vassell. Just Tyrell Terry, who shot 40% from three in college, 47% yeah. from the field. Tyrell but, Terry, you know. yeah, who's getting Steph Curry comparisons because he was at a school that 
listen, Stan, it's not like Stanford is this uh, no-name school like Davidson was, but in college basketball terms, it kind of is. He wasn't even the best player on the team in that uh, last year, but I don't know, we just should put that out there. Although right. I do like him. But, I like him too. Yeah. Also, actually, speaking of Tyrell Terry, I want to get into uh, who I think – so what I love about this draft is that we have these guys with enormous question marks as the possible top three and Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, and Lamella Ball, all of whom you have no idea how they're going to shoot. You have no idea what their mentality is. All you know is that they're very talented at one thing. James Wiseman is just this like center who runs the floor like a gazelle. LaMelo Ball has the eyes in the back of his head, the side of his head, his shoulders, his hands. He can see everything and makes the pass because he's like six seven. And Anthony Edwards is just an athletic freak who can probably literally jump out of the gym and has these hammer dunks and can easily score 30 points on you if he's really locked in. And so those are the, for good reason, those are the guys who are putting in the top three. But the possibly the two players who in five or six years or maybe 10 years were saying, oh, these were the most talented players in the draft, they might go in the teens, right. might even go past 20. Do you know who those are? Can you guess who? I would who say Killian Hayes is Kier, one. Kira Lewis. I think Killian, I think Killian Hayes is top, is top 10. Kira Lewis, I would say probably. That's not, Kira Lewis is not who I'm talking about. I mean, Cole Anthony was regarded as the best player in the draft until last year. He was regarded as the best player in his high school class, I would say. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, until until his UNC season, which was by all accounts a disaster, he was UNC was a disaster. It was absolutely a disaster. But Mark Williams I said think it was that the worst before team that, ever he was coached. regarded as the consensus number one. I think Anthony Edwards one was, but Paul Anthony apparently was a consensus top three. You're right about that. Yeah, with Wiseman. But so I'm talking about Tyrell Terry and Alexei Pokusevsky. Alexei Pokusevsky. Alexei Pokusevsky is okay. So. Here are my comps for the three. Don't laugh. For Pokusevsky, Kristaps, Jokic, Giannis. That's who I, think I a see little bit shades of. He's a stretch. He's a star. Oh, you beat me to it. All right. <laughs> Alexei Pokusevsky is this like, okay, I don't know. Does he remind me of Kevin Durant? Is that who he reminds me of? He's this seven footer, legit seven footer, who is been measured as in at the NBA Combine as 195 pounds unbelievable unbelievable he's like a lot of seven footers play close to 300 pounds i don't like a bobon who's playing like 300 usually but pokusevsky is playing under 200 that's like that's not that much more than i weigh and i'm six feet tall yeah so i like the porzingis comp yeah yeah but uh, yeah so porzingis Jokic, and Giannis are porzingis because uh, Pokusevsky can hit threes. Jokic mm-hmm. because Pokusevsky can pass like crazy. And Giannis because Pokusevsky can run the floor like a point guard. The issue with all these rings is that Porzingis at least has a decent amount of weight on him. Giannis is jacked. And Jokic is doughy. Pokusevsky has no nothing resembling an NBA body. But here's the big but. He's the youngest player in this draft. He won't even turn 19 until the day after Christmas. Wow. Um, Again, he's really a rail. He's a rail. But if he has like 60 pounds on him and then over the next two or three years, then suddenly he could be really good. The the thing about Pokusevsky, the reason that people are dreaming on him so much is because he can do anything on a basketball court, or at least he can in like the same Greek league that Giannis was playing in in these grainy highlight videos we saw in 2013. So... Is it possible that he's the next Giannis? Yes. Is it probable? I would say no, because Giannis is like a one in a million kind of guy. But at the very least, he's 
while he may have a low floor, he's got an absurdly high ceiling. Totally. I think it's probable that he becomes something like a cross between like a Karolenko and um, a Laurie Markkinen. You know, somebody who can stretch the floor, but also has enough length to play solid defense. I don't think he'll be an elite defender like Karolenko was, but I think that he'll definitely be able to guard multiple positions because of his physique, um, his length. Do you know his wingspan offhand? I don't. I imagine it's somewhere in the range of like seven six, but yeah, I, I would think probably about I seven know he, five seven six. He shut down workouts because apparently he got a promise from a team. Sources say these are not sources telling me; these are sources telling other people. Sources say that the Thunder are likely to be the team that promised him. The Thunder have a history of promising people, like Chandler Hutchinson, for instance, a couple of years back. Yeah, Sam <laughs> Chandler Hutchinson was not a great guy to promise, but <laughs> I think it was the Bulls who challenged. One of them did. Maybe people thought the Thunder had a promise on him and the Bulls got him. Anyway. It doesn't matter. It's Chandler Hutchinson. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Pokusevsky. But like if the promise is at like 24 or 25 where the Thunder are sitting, they're going to have to trade up to get him because I think this guy is going to go in the mid to late teens. He's like weirdly a good guy for Boston to go after. I think and, he's an interesting yeah. guy for San Antonio to look at maybe. At the 11? Ooh, that, that would be interesting. It's very possible he's just the Frederick Weiss, which I think would it would be, be a very Popovich pick. Yeah, I think that I mean, I think Popovich has always wanted the opportunity to develop a true European stretch. I think that that Popovich, um, you know, getting towards the end of his career wants to develop a player who he knows has star potential. Can Pokusevsky hit 250 by the time Pop hits 75? Maybe. We'll see. No chance. Is Becky Hammond still the assistant? Because maybe she can take over. And he's the only one left because Tim Duncan was leaving. But yeah. We shall see. Well, and then Tyrell Terry is the other guy because Tyrell Terry has Steph Curry and a little bit of Jamal Murray looking in it. The reason that I, everyone kind of wants to compare him to Trey Young, but I would say don't do that because Trey Young was the best college players we've ever seen and averaged like 30 and 10. And I think he's more D'Angelo yeah. than, than Trey Young. I think D'Angelo is just a little too big because Tyrell Terry is like 6'2". Yeah, but I'm saying it's the same yeah. type of shot selection, you know, ball handling, I think he has a lot a lot in common. But you know what I really like about Tyrell Terry that people don't really talk about as much? Obviously, yeah, he's like a, a, a skinny point, small skinny point guard who can shoot threes like nobody's business, and that's why he gets Steph comparisons. But what he can also do, what you see full of it in, like if you watch him on tape, is he can also finish really, really well. One underrated thing about Steph is that he's a great finisher, and that's why teams can't just like sell out to stop him at the three-point line because if he gets past them, he can get to the line and finish well. And Tyrell Terry is also super fast. And so that's another thing you really need to do if you're a guy like this. So in transition, he's absolutely deadly. Like Tyrell Terry is the kind of guy who your team is like rushing down the court to try to defend in transition. Everyone's like, where's Terry? Where's Terry? Because if he slips open just an instant, he's getting the ball and he's going to hit a three-pointer on you. So that's the thing that's here about Tyrell Terry. But also, unlike Steph, who... All right, Sam, how many times have you ever seen Steph Curry dunk a basketball? Uh, probably. times. I mean, like, in a game, not many, but there's there's highlights on YouTube. Well, he dunked Tyrell in the Terry. All-Star game. He did a reverse yeah. in the All-Star game that one time, right? Yeah. But Tyrell Terry actually has... I would say Tyrell Terry has more athleticism than Steph Curry. Tyrell Terry is, like, doing, like, windmill dunks. Again, in practice, but at the very least, he seems athletic enough, and he's also a fast guy. So if Tyrell Terry, like, has that athleticism and uses it well, then he absolutely could go in 
the top uh, 10 where some people are saying he belongs. He's more likely going to go in the 10 to 20 range. A lot are and a lot have been mocking him in the 21 to 40 range, which is maybe a safer bet, but I we it remains to be seen with the teams. 10 to 19 is always such an interesting range because those teams are like not real contenders usually, but also they want to find the guy who could make them a contender in an instant. Right, and they're so. not necessarily picking for best available, but it really just depends on the situation. It's really a case-by-case. Case. Yeah, so we will see what happens with Tyrell Terry and Alexei Pokosevsky. They are... 10 inches apart, they weigh around the same, which is stupid, but whatever. <laughs> uh, what do you guys have? Because I've got a lot more on the draft where this came from. Honestly, I don't have much on the draft. I I, I always like to go in blind on, on, on that thing because I feel like if I develop opinions on the draft, then I won't be able to shake those opinions. Do you want me to, just, do you want me to send some quick hits at you guys? Go for it. Go I had one it. more guy that I, that I wanted me. to talk about. Tell me. Um, I love Onyeka Kongwu. Oh, yes. I've got some in the, something on him. What do you got? Celtics um, might want him, honestly. Yeah, I was going to say the Celtics. Um, I was also going to say maybe Atlanta. Uh, if they if they decide to hold on to that six pick, um, I think Okongwu would be a really interesting fit. Draft night. Charlotte at three if Golden State takes Wiseman at two? Maybe. I think yeah. he's, he's one of the best kept secrets in the draft. Yeah, like... If I'm the Wizards right now, I'm kind of pissed because in everything that seemed to be happening, it's like, yeah, Okongwu, no one's going to pick in the top eight, so he's going to slip to nine. And now it seems like everyone wants the guy because like, uh, whatchamacallit, like Obi Toppin, he also had a PR north of 30. He led the Pac-12 in PR and box plus minus. Uh, you know, do you know who he was high school teammates with? Who? LaMelo Ball. He really? Was Chino Hills. I remember reading an article like back way when like the Mello was a freshman that there was a, another guy who was on the freshman team who might be the best NBA prospect of all the balls um, or the best NBA prospect at Chino Hills, including all the balls. And that was like Onyeko Okongwu. And so now it seems like he might be, he might go like if he goes three and the Mello goes four to Chicago, like some are saying, then that's the only way I see him getting past there. I think he's, I like him better personally. I like LaMelo in Chicago yeah. definitely better than I like LaMelo in Charlotte for sure. Oh, absolutely. He's not a good fit with Javante Graham or PJ Washington, I don't no. think. I think he would be a better a better fit with Levine, but still not a great fit with Levine, yeah. but better oh, better than Charlotte. I forgot my Obi Toppin comparison. Zach Levine, who matters more. Yeah. Zach Levine does not have any effect on if you win games or not. Obi Toppin might actually have some sort of effect, but they kind right. of play in very similar ways. And that they're super athletic guys who can do a lot on offense and not a lot on defense. I think Obi Toppin definitely, I mean, he's bigger than Levine is, isn't he? Yeah, he's like two or three inches taller than him. Mm-hmm. But also, like those two in a dunk contest together. Oh my God. Woo, woo. Throw in That's Aaron Gordon and we got a show. Yeah. I mean, were you watching those Obi Toppin dunks? His last game of, like, his last home game in his college season, he was going between his legs. He was doing these windmills. The crowd was loving it. He, Yes, he also was doing dumb sellouts on passes just so he could poke the ball away, like in the front court, in the, right in the back court. Everybody does that yeah. in college who's good at dunking oh, in high school. God. They just, they, uh, they, they strive for the dunks. It was, I mean, it, when, when that doesn't work four out of five times, uh, I think your coach is going to yell at you, but obviously they were not because Obi Toppin's the best player in basketball this year. But he'll be fun. He'll be fun. But yeah, Okongwu, I love. 
Um, he, yeah, he pops on film. He reminds me of Bam in college a little totally. bit. Not as good of a passer. Bam had like this like preternatural uh, passing skill even in college. Like you're like, wait, why is this guy who's like six nine and jacked suddenly throwing the ball like this? But Okongu is good at the very least at outlet passes. Totally, so, I think he has a lot yeah. of a lot of upside in that regard as well. Great in transition. He works well uh, in the half court as well, and that's why like if you fit in both of those things, it's sort of like I don't know. I I, I look at it a little bit like being able to. Like you can't get shifted on in baseball if you can both pull the ball and hit the ball to the opposite field. Right. I think Okungwu always looks comfortable, no matter what what the context is. Even you know offense or defense, half court, full court, you know full court sets. Like I think he he really really looks just comfortable, and in his element, regardless of where he's at. He bulks up a little bit. He's a perfect five. But even if not, yep. he can play at the four or the five right now at the very least. Even if he's only sure. defending fours, he's got he's got like he's got the movement and he's got a good enough movement to be able to defend like at positions other than the five trying to combine him all right so some quick hits would you rather i could do my quick hits of uh lesser known guys or i could do my quick hits of top 10 prospects which you prefer alternate. Top 10 or alternate. yeah alternate yeah do it all right so anthony edwards his wearing teams he could he seemed like he could go one he could slip and but James Wiseman is the only one of the Lamelo, Anthony Edwards, and uh, James Wiseman, obviously trio, who is probably not going to sl- slip past three because there are two teams who want him on the top three. There might not be anyone who wants Anthony Edwards or Lamelo Ball in the top three, which is a little worrying. So you kind of hope he gets traded for. And then Devin Dotson. Devin Dotson uh, is this guy who played at Kansas basically forever. There's a few guys coming out of college this year who like Malachi Flynn, Cassius Winston. And Devin Dawson, who like played forever in college basketball, it's like they never wanted to leave, but they finally did. You know who was the fastest guy at the combine this year? Devin Dotson. So maybe he's got like a little bit of Jeremy Lin in him. Jeremy Lin famously has is one was one of the fastest guys in the entire NBA, and that's the reason that the Rockets were in on him. They almost drafted him actually, even though they decided not to. And so I'm intrigued to see what his stop and start is. And so here's another guy, Caleb Wesson. Sam might recognize. So Caleb Wesson was this guy. Remember, remember Jared Solinger? Yes. Remember Jared Solinger? <laughs> big body. Big Jared, body. Jared Solinger had a big body. Jared Solinger, he was you like know. this, he's this talented guy. He could pass, he could shoot, he could score, he could get in the post. Great Jared, basketball instinct. Yeah. Jared Solinger did not have any instincts uh in the dining room. And so or their weight room. So Jared Solinger, unfortunately, never quite got to the NBA weight that would have been great for him to play at. Uh, Sam, what are your experiences with Jared Solinger on the Celtics? Uh, he's a prototypical Celtics big man. I mean, he'll go to 20 feet, occasionally go beyond 20 feet. Um, he'll box out a lot. He'll do all the dirty work, and he's probably two inches undersized. <laughs> yeah, so... A lot of those boxes seem to fit Caleb Wesson, at least coming out of college. But then you get his NBA combine measurements. Caleb Wesson played between like 270 and 290 in college. Guess what he was at the combine? How much? 252. That sounds good. And he's a guy, he's nearly 6'10". He's got a 7'4 wingspan. And he actually was shooting 75% on uh, cat and catch and shoot threes. Like running like catch and shoot threes at the combine. I mean, yes, it's an, em- an empty gym, but if Caleb Wesson is hitting three NBA three-pointers, 
And if he's got the kind of wingspan where he can actually become a really good defender for like fours and fives, and he's in good shape, we already know he's a talented basketball player and he's got the scoring ability and can play in the post. That's the kind of guy who like could fit on any team in the NBA. That's like a Nikola Vucevic kind of thing, except maybe not like as bad defensively as Vucevic is. So Caleb Wesson uh, for early second round, maybe mid second round picks is a guy to keep an eye on because your favorite um, contender might be trying to get him. Jokic ceiling. Not Jokic ceiling. He's not near the kind of passer that he is, but Vucevic, I think, because Wesson can actually score. Yeah, totally. Um, Back into uh, the others. So Denny of Dia, I think, I don't have that many like hits on these top 10 guys, but basically like where you might expect to see them. Cause I know Sam, I don't know what Sam has been doing, like looking at mock drafts or not, but at the very least like Denny of Dia might go to number two, could go to number three to Charlotte. It's possible. He's not the kind of guy you trade up to get, but he's the kind of guy who, if he's there, you like him because he could I be think, the best player in the draft. The shot develops. He's athletic. I think enough. if Chicago can't get LaMelo, Denny would definitely be a, a nice fit for them. Yeah. I think Denny's their guy at four. But Chicago might try to trade up to one. And if at the very least, any of you does not fall past Cleveland at five, in my opinion. Yep. I don't think so either. Cleveland has been tied to two guys. I mentioned Denny of Dianobi top. And if they pick someone other than that, I think we'd all be surprised. I agree. Yeah. Tyrese Howard, we talked about, he seems like the surest of sure things. Um, he's not an outstanding athlete. He kind of needs some space to operate in the half court, but he's so good in transition. He's a wonderful defender. He pokes the ball away he's like he defends like a pest basically and he does all the little things right consistent enough shooter yeah he's he's got a good shot he could be the guy on a lot of these teams like he's not like as athletic as drew holiday but he's the kind of guy who could play the one or the two and is big enough and could play for a long time in the similar sense of drew Holiday. you can play another guard alongside him i heard andre miller comparisons and i thought that was an excellent excellent comparison yeah I'm good with that. Um, and let's go to some more underrated guys. Uh, we've got, let's see. Okay, so we've got someone like Tyler Bay and someone like Jay Scrub, both of whom are two extremely athletic guys. Tyler Bay actually had one of the best verticals we've ever seen in the NBA Combine this year. And so he's the kind of guy you want to keep around. Jay Scrub, he's the 6'6 Juco guy, super athletic, really good finisher, who apparently the Blazers are enamored with. They think he could be the next Anthony Simons. And we all know mm-hmm. how much the Blazers love Anthony Simons. And so apparently he's been getting end of the first round draft buzz from them. And which like Interesting. is a little crazy because he I, most people don't have him in the first round. But the if the Blazers pick Jay Scrub, you guys should not be surprised if that happens. Yeah. I and, liked yeah. I liked um Precious Ochoa for the Blazers. Precious Ochoa is good. Another guy that the small. Celtics might want to take. Oh, oh, they want another undersized center. <laughs> what do you think we've been doing the past five years? <laughs> You're trying to get PJ We're getting Tucker, but... six foot nine and six foot ten centers. Precious Ochoa is not six foot nine or six foot ten. He's like six foot seven, six foot four. Six, six. on a good day. No. no, he's like six six, six seven. He's not that tall without shoes on. I'm just gonna say that you should check the most recent measurements of him from the combine. Yeah. <laughs> All right, one last guy I'm gonna leave you guys with. So this. Guy does not get rated high in a lot of draft boards, but John Hollinger, who, as you might know, is the inventor of PR with the, with the Grizzlies, he's like, what is everyone missing on Paul Reed? Paul Reed's this guy who went to DePaul, of all places, was a junior, but a young junior, so he could be good. 
He is going to be a terrific defender. Everyone agrees with that. He blocked 2.6 shots per game. He can defend the one through five. He had, one, he had the best steal rate of probably any guy who's going to get drafted. And this is like a 6'9", 6'10", guy. He, he's sort of like a Siakam kind of guy in which he's a four by size, but he can guard anyone on the court if need be. The issue is um, what he does on offense because he's got like a very cardboard, look, cutout-looking jumper. And he's very stiff, but he still made 33% of his three-pointers. He still made over 70% of his free throws. And he's a very athletic guy. The issue is that he's just not de- quite developed enough. And obviously, like, yeah, he's at DePaul. It's not like he's getting taught by the best guys on like how to have the best post moves and how to have the great three-point form. But that's the kind of guy who is going to go in the 20s or the 30s, maybe even the 40s, and is absolutely going to be a star. All right, that's all I've got in the draft. Cool. Um, I thought... One more player who I I was looking at uh, highlight tapes of earlier was Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay, flamethrower jump shot. Yeah, um, I thought his yeah like like I mean his mechanics were interesting. I think that they could carry over. Um, I mean, I've heard a lot of you know much like a lot of other players in this draft, a lot of polarization regarding shot selection and uh, you know analytics wise how he could fit into most of the systems in the league, um, but. You know, I definitely think that for somebody who's contending, uh, Sadiq Bey would definitely not be a bad bet off the bench. He's a classic, like, yeah, rookie shooter guy, like in sure. Robinson, Tyler Hero mode. Hold. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and I do I do have one more guy. I forgot to mention it. So this one, he is my very, very, very dark horse contender for rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. RJ Hampton. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't even remember. Uh, I remember, I didn't, I remember coming, about RJ coming out of high school and then not going to college. I thought it was a good move. Here's I agree. The, here's the thing with RJ Hampton. So he went to Australia, like the Mellow Ball, played in the same league. But RJ Hampton shot 41.7% from the floor, which is not good. That is not a good thing to do. Maybe it'll be good from three. It's not good from the floor. The th- issue, the thing about Hampton is that he's like, he's a great scorer, like talent, like talent wise. He's got all the tools to put together. The issue is his jump shot. Or the issue was his jump shot. Because do you know who he's been working with? Mike Miller of, you know, famed Mike Miller, uh, one of the best three-point shooters in NBA history, Mike Miller. Apparently, not only has his jump shot improved, it looks fixed. He looks incredible. And this is stuff that, like, people were talking about maybe a few weeks ago. I don't know how big it's gotten because he's, like, still not in the top 15, not in the top 20 of some people's uh, draft boards. But RJ Hampton is, like, this – he more resembles Jamal Murray than um, Terrell Terry because RJ Hampton, I would say, is more talented offensively in the sense of like, he's got the moves, he can score. He's so fast. He's so quick. I would say he's probably totally. even quicker than Tyrell Terry. And so he's also a great playmaker, even if his assist numbers like aren't amazing, even if his defense isn't amazing. That's not what you really need as a rookie of the year. As a rookie of the year, like if you're putting up big numbers for a team that like, I don't know, there's a lot of teams that he could go to. He could go to Brooklyn, which people have been saying. He could go somewhere in like the mid to late teens. The Celtics, I know, have been keeping their eyes on him a little bit. So I don't know if he's a great fit there. I've even seen him but... going a lot, a little bit higher in some draft boards. I've seen him going as high as like seven, eight range. Really? Where have you yeah. seen these? Um, I've seen him, uh, you know, I, I know we've mentioned San Antonio a lot. Yeah. Um, I've heard people talk about him in San Antonio. I think he would be a nice fit with, with Murray. Uh, with DeJounte spot. Murray in the backcourt because yeah. uh, Murray is a much better playmaker in my opinion than than Hampton um, but I think that would allow Hampton to kind of 
have a little bit more of a scorer's role. Yeah. Um, and have a little bit of free reign. Uh, He's I think big that enough that cool. it, like it's not really an issue if he plays with a smaller guard. Totally. Um, and I, I think uh, from what I saw of his tapes in Australia, there was a little bit of concern about his defense. Um, yeah, there's remains concern about his defense. There's yeah, but about I'm, I'm Murray's saying, defense too. Don I Mitchell's. think that the fact that he was playing against professionals, and this is the, the same is true about Lamelo Ball. I, I have been a little bit critical of Lamelo Ball, um, especially defensively. But I think that the fact that he's having trouble guarding professionals at age 18, 19 is not a surprise. Um, I mean, I think that there's obviously room for improvement, but you know, there's only there's only you know you can only go up from here. I say the same thing about Trey Young. Uh, you know, you can only get better from here. You just have to put in the work. And that's really just the main question mark is whether these guys are able to to put in the work to get better on defense or whether they're just going to be complacent. And I think, you know, RJ Hampton probably has, uh, from what we've seen in his work with Mike Miller, uh, like you said, he's improved his jump shot considerably. Um, I think that could definitely lend well to his ability to improve on defense. I think he has a lot of potential on that end with his quickness. Um, I could definitely see him de- yeah, he's got developing something like a De'Aaron Fox type of streak on defense if he decides to. Would be incredible. I mean, yeah, if he's committed like this, which it seems he is, but he said that he thinks he's the best player in the draft. And he seems like the kind of guy who's absolutely got a chip in his shoulder because he's not going to go number one. I think there are about 10 players in this draft, 10 or 11 players who really think that they're the best player in the draft. Um, I think Cole Anthony is definitely one of them. Cole Anthony would be really, really wrong about that. I'm just going to say that. Cole Anthony was the best player in his high school class. We can agree on that. Cole Anthony, I I loved what he did against Duke in that game against Duke when, like, they really had no business beating Duke or coming close to beating Duke and obviously did not beat Duke because Trey Jones threw the ball off the backboard. Yeah. Duke scored, but... <laughs> Definitely the highlight yeah. of, of Cole Anthony's season, I think, was that game. Was that loss, yeah? Yeah, which yeah. shows you... Uh, yeah, Exactly, kind of shows you how the season went. Man, North Carolina sucked, dude. Ari, I am glad you've come here with the Cole Anthony takes. Because I was getting a little bit uh, warmer on him, but now I'm seeing that mm, I'm not quite there yet. I got to see more from Cole Anthony. I'm not warm on him, but I'm definitely like more, I would say I'm lukewarm on Cole Anthony. Like there's a lot of upside. Are you Luke Zeller or Cody Zeller on him? (laughs) Tyler, not not Luke. Wasn't there a Luke Zeller? There was a Luke Zeller. There's a Luke Luke Garza. No, it's a Luke Garza. There's a Luke Kennard. Yeah. There's a Luke Ridenour. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm 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 positive I'm right about this. There's absolutely a Luke Zeller. There's no Luke Zeller. Yes, there was. There's Luke Zeller. Um, he looks hilarious. He's the brother of NBA players Tyler and Cody Zeller, and wow. he was Indiana Mister Basketball. Huh. I'll say of course he was, he was. He's a Zeller. He was on the Suns in 2012. Amazing. Luke huh. Zeller is real. That's a I fun little it. rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> but like he, oh, he was the best player in your state. How do you not know more about this guy? I mean. If I knew every single player who was the best player in Indiana, I'd probably know like half of the NBA's free agents. Um, all right. So we've got our draft talk in. We've got a lot of our trade stuff in. What about free agency or other stuff that you guys are looking forward to this offseason? Well, to segue from Indiana, Mr. Basketball is how about Gary Harris? What do you think about Gary Harris? I mean, I could have definitely imagined him coming back to Indiana. I, I've seen that, uh, you know, in trade talks. I've seen uh, Gary Harris and a future first for Oladipo, which I think would be an interesting fit. Interesting, interesting. Um, I like how Gary Harris pairs next to TJ Warren. 
Um, I think that since he's the type of player who can create, I think, better than Oladipo, um, I think that he would be able to create a lot of shots uh, for TJ Warren off of catch and shoot opportunities, which he had an, a, a little bit of a lack of last year. I think that TJ that could, Warren, also, that could help his load. TJ Warren can hit threes now, like better than anybody in the NBA, apparently. Like nobody's I mean, he, business. He was, on, right. he was on something when he was in the bubble. That's for sure. <laughs> shooter's gym, shooter's gym, shooter's gym. I just think he, he, you know, locked in. And I think that he, he, he reached a point where I think he realized that he can score on most people who guard him. And that's so like Gilbert Arenas was talking about this two days ago on his podcast where he realized at some point, like he stopped comparing himself to the super duper stars. You know, he said that he had like a a big moment of, of depression when he played against Vince Carter for the first time, because Vince Carter just like blew by him and dunked him, dunked on him. And he was just like, I can't play in this league. But then once he realized that he could score on 90% to 95% of the guys who happened to guard him on a night to night basis, then it was game over for everybody else. Because like, you know, then once you develop that confidence, you can start scoring on the superstars. You know, yeah. once you realize that you're in that class. Which like, yeah, it doesn't seem to make sense, but it actually does. It totally yeah. does. Like if there's a guy like Obi Toppin this league, who again, we love Obi Toppin here. This is a pro Obi Toppin podcast. He's going to be the guy in a guy that TJ Warren is going to be able to score on. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jason Tatum took that step this year as well. Yeah. And and as did Jalen Brown. Oh, to a lesser degree. To a lesser but. degree, but I think I think both of them definitely Sam, unlocked a level of confidence this year that they didn't have before. Yeah. Sam, what do you think about Jalen Brown this year? I was on the Tatum bandwagon, but I've always been on the Jalen Brown bandwagon because he's never gotten the chance. He's always been second second banana. He had a you know, if they if they take Markel Fultz instead of Tatum, then Jalen Brown can have the team. You know. <laughs> is this supposed to make me feel better like <laughs> yeah but then they probably they probably would have invested too much into markel and wouldn't have been able to get kemba nah i mean philly got rid of him like after a year and a half which is sort of bonkers but yeah yeah so i mean how do we know that his whole injury situation doesn't go better in boston than it did in philly who knows with that with that alternate scenario I think that Markel Fultz never going to be sixth man of the year, but hard. he will be one of these days. Markel Fultz will be receiving votes sixth man of the year, and I will be so happy. Real question is, what's the over under on how many six man of the years Dennis Schroeder is going to win by the end of his career? Is he a little too old, or does six man of the year seem to like always go to some guy? Who Williams like is 32? old. Yeah. Yeah. What about Jamal Crawford? Maybe. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe Schroeder's aging into the perfect time for like winning six that's what i'm saying he's aging into that lou williams jamal crawford ginobili role yeah because lou williams isn't going to be there forever we're seeing him get played up that's a good take that's a good take thank you i am yeah i am very much looking for this is schroeder the kind of guy you think he stays in okc absolutely i think he stays in okc and becomes the what i like to call the eternal he falls into the eternal mentor role Mm, which is not the role he had in atlanta when he was Definitely taking young guys in the wrong path, but it seems like I don't know. No, I think he settled in into OKC. Yeah, honestly, I think he's a great, a great mentor for Shea Gilgeous Alexander. I think he, you know, I think he's going to be one of those guys who becomes a good veteran. You know, like a Sean Livingston. Yeah. yeah, the thing about OKC is that it's nightlife and Atlanta's not nightlife aren't exactly com- comparable. There are no uh, Lou <laughs> William wings, lemon pepper Lou wings in OKC. Yep. At least it's not Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City is where. Uh, I don't, I don't know if nightlife exists. I don't know if after 6 p.m. OKC and Salt Lake City are aren't, that, aren't that different in terms of 
nightlife. Fewer Mormons. Fewer Mormons in Oklahoma. Fewer Mormons. You know, more Oklahomans. Yeah, and I mean, right, it's currently 8.53 p.m. and Oklahoma still sucks, so. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. All right, but Sam, are there any free agents you're looking at? Man, Anthony Davis, probably the biggest free agent in this class. Too bad we know where he's going. Yeah. One thing, one thing that kind of annoys me with this class is like Anthony Davis is clearly the top guy. He's not going anywhere. Brandon Ingram is this kind of guy who like, oh, super fun, this young guy to dream on. Oh, wait, he's not going anywhere. That's why like Fred Van Vliet is the next best guy. And that's why we're like hoping Christian Wood is something. All right. I, I hope this is not similar to my Gregory Polanco take last week, Sam. But here's here's a name to consider for a minimum contract. Markel Fultz. <laughs> Josh Jackson. <laughs> I mean, at this Josh point, Jackson is literally Cam after... Reddish. Like, like, he just like, I don't know how, but somehow everybody just assumed that he was good. And then he got to the pros and sucked. He was good at The Stanley was... Johnson archetype. Oof. You know what's really uh, funny? Another, mo- uh, I'm pretty sure he graduated from modern day high school. Right. You know what's really funny? I mentioned Stanley Johnson in this little write-up I have about Josh Jackson. Uh, so don't laugh. He's still 23. He's a prototypical size for three in today's league, at the very least. He's like 6'8". He's built. And he, his first year, he had a negative rating of like negative 11. His second year in the league, he had a negative rating of neg- net rating of negative 9. This year, he had a positive net rating. It was like plus 2.5. From 22 games for Memphis, which is good. If you watch what his three-point shot looks like now, it actually looks kind of decent. Uh, his per 36 numbers, 18 points, six rebounds, three assists, which is pretty good for a guy who could be like your third or best for third or fourth option on your team. You know what he hasn't lost? His calling card, which is driving and finishing. He has had some really terrific drives on Memphis this year where he got to the rim you know, actually push guys getting there. He pull off, pulled off some relatively good uh, layups, and I liked what I saw. Again, yeah, it's good not for like, Reckley. Good for Reckley, you know. This was on Memphis, a, pl- a playoff team. A Reckley team, yeah. Team. All right. Um, don't I mean, laugh. I can imagine him filling like a, a Jay Crowder type role on a, on a solid team. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's not a vet, so he doesn't bring like the veteran presence. But the right. same, oh, he's the kind of guy that he brings. Like he bring, he's the only thing he's good for is veteran presence. That's what he brings to the table, except he doesn't have veteran presence, so he brings <laughs> nothing to the table. So someone just gotta like hire jo- Josh Jackson to like sit around for ten years until he can be a good veteran presence. No. It's like so, if it's you like, replace it's like OG Castillo with Josh Jackson, do you think that there's a considerable difference for the Raptors? Replace who? OG Ananobi? Hundred percent. Oh, you know he's way better than OG Ananobi is way better. I think Josh Jackson has all the same tools that Ananobi has. I just think that Ah, Ananobi Ananobi is incredibly well coached and in a really, really good situation. Yeah. IU guy. Absolutely. And I think that he was well coached at IU as well. Yeah. Uh but he's he's I think Portland is a really good fit for him because they're the kind of team who constantly need wings because if you're gonna play with a two-point guard lineup, you're going to constantly, constantly need someone to actually, you know, play defense on. Your I'm finally teams. off the Portland train, by the way. Just want to let you know. Oh, thank God! Yeah, it's it's over. I'm not off the CJ McCollum train, but I'm. But they get they, off you, CJ. Get no, off the CJ. No, oh, no, no, I'm not getting off that train. But I'm on I the Simon's train. I can't have you starting two guys that are six three and yeah. can't play defense. Sorry, yeah. can't do it. What was your CJ McCollum trade? No, it's not. No the train. train, train. Oh, train. Okay, fine. Yeah, for gotcha. for, a, for a while, I'm I've. 
held the belief that CJ McCollum was better than Damian Lillard is held back by CJ McCollum. Prove me wrong. They should trade for uh, it goes both ways. Damian Lillard is held back by McCollum and McCollum's held back. Yeah, by but I think it's I think it's definitely yeah. both ways. I agree. Yeah, but yeah, but anyway, I think Josh Jackson would work well in Portland. I think he's the kind of guy you get for him. maybe a one year minimum deal, maybe like a three year, like eight, nine, ten million kind of deal, which is not like terrible, but also hoping that he can, you know. Play decently well for you. Uh, they, they would have to sign him to a minimum because nobody's going to pay more than the minimum for him. Yeah. Because no, first of all, nobody wants to. And second of all, nobody has the cap space to do it. There are several teams that have cap space. I just don't know if point. I mean, but they wouldn't use it on Josh yeah. Jackson. Yeah. You're not really using your mid level exception on signing Josh Jackson. You're using your minimum. That's fair. But I think Josh Jackson's the kind of guy who, like, we look up in a few years and he's carved out a nice role for himself at the very least. Sure. Yeah, like Will Barden. Will Barden was not. Wilburn was obviously not like a top pick in the draft. I think he went in like the 20s to 30s range, but he's now has his calling card as a good defender. He can score some, even though he's usually not that noticeable. Josh Jackson, like he's got enough tools that in the right situation where he's obviously doesn't have to be like a focal point like he was in Phoenix, which was such a bad fit for him because he was so raw coming out of college, just somewhere like where there are other scorers and he can just pick up some slack play some defense and learn some fundamentals. The problem with it with it with Josh Jackson is that he was noticeably like worse than everybody else on the floor. And I'm not like meaning that as like yeah. a, a knock on your take. I'm just saying like there's uh, he didn't really fit in like with NBA players. I obvi- honestly definitely like Phoenix is not the place to, to come into the league if you want to be developed as we've yeah. seen with every single wing that they've drafted. My worry, what? my worry with that is like with Josh, let's players like Josh Jackson, and then also players like Jared Culver, and then a player in this draft named Isaac Okoro is that Okoro shot 28% on threes this year. And he was a 67% free throw shooter, which was not great. Oy vey. God. Yeah. The thing about Okoro is, wait, tell me who this reminds me of, you of? Isaac Okoro can get to the rim and finish well. Does that remind you of Jared Culver? Does that remind you Tim of, are to get Josh rid of Jackson? Tim Rose are trying to get rid of Jared Culver. Yeah, after one year. And Phoenix tried to get rid of Josh Jackson after one or maybe two years. And so um, Devin Vassell, I like Vassell, but also his mechanics, are they good enough? Devin Vassell can't really create his own shot. Is Devin, Devin Vassell reminds me of, you know, who from last year reminds me of? DeAndre Hunter, who could become a better player, but like, is he good? But I don't think the the yeah. Hawks really like him as much as Reddish, so I don't think they're going to give him as much of a chance. Which makes no sense because Hunter is clearly a better player than Reddish, but well, not clearly. Not clearly. no. Yes, clearly. Reddish is clearly, Reddish might be Reddish in the top is clearly bottom terrible. ten. It's it's but it's like when you get near the bottom, it's hard to like discern the difference between them because Reddish yeah, that's why I said so bottom bad. ten. Yeah. So I don't know. That's that's why those two wings in the draft who like you see them going anywhere. You see them going as high as four. I think I saw Akora mocked once at four to Chicago and Vassell mocked as high as five to Cleveland. But you also see those guys mocked in like the ten to fifteen range. I don't know. Those like they're probably the two best wings in this draft, but uh, I don't know how much I could trust them, especially when we see what like we've seen what's happened in past years when people like really bought into wings like that. Everyone thinks they can make a, Ka- a Kawhi Leonard after out of an Isaac Okoro shot. Right, but not every coach is Greg Popovich. Yeah, or not or every Nickers. player is Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> True. But I'm saying I think Kawhi Leonard, for as much potential as he had and as much hard work as he had to put in, I think the situation 
crafted his mentality more so than he did himself. And not to take anything away from what he accomplished, but I think that winning a championship within your first couple of years provides you with that sort of confidence, similar to what it did for Kobe. Um, when you're not quite the best player on your team, but you're allowed to settle into a role where you can contribute to winning right away. And you feel like you're contributing because you're guarding LeBron James. Exactly. He was finals MVP his second totally. year in the league. We're not second year, like third year? Yeah, third year in the league. He was, he was same draft as Kemba. Yeah, it was 20, 2011, 2012 draft. Yeah. 2011 draft, so 2014, third 2012, year. 2012, yeah. 2013. Yeah, 20, 2014 was his third season. Yeah, and he was also guarding LeBron the year before he that. He guarded well. LeBron in the playoffs and in, in the finals in his second season. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, obviously, he misses those free throws, with uh, that free throw, which is so important. So did Ginobili. Yeah. And the fact that he was I out there in the first place. he more than made up for it. Still. Yeah, absolutely. Although, it would have been nice to win two of them. Totally. All right. Um, all right. I think we're getting close to the end here. But is there anything else that you guys want to touch on that you're looking forward to this offseason? Any interesting players, interesting trades or draft stuff? Any teams? Like, obviously, we've got crazy rocket stuff. We've got crazy stuff happening in so many different directions here. I would love to see the Sixers and Rockets just create mass chaos and <laughs> have beat for Harden. Uh, I was thinking Simmons for Harden. <laughs> Although you would have Sim- to throw in somebody else because Simmons, Simmons for not, only does, and- not only does he have such a low contract, but he also has the triple P. Yeah, Simmons and Westbrook in the backcourt together. So- <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you also trade Westbrook and you have, so like you build around Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> That's how you know we're getting to the end. When you get God. to Simmons, building around Simmons in Houston. I think this the is... only realistic trade would be probably a Harden for uh, Tobias Harris. And I want Russell Westbrook Simmons. for Joel Embiid. Russell Westbrook for Joel Embiid. Can we see it? Can we see it? It honestly might work. How about an Embiid to Utah move? <laughs> for Gobert? <laughs> for Gobert and pieces. Pieces? Okay. Donovan Mitchell? Is he one of those no. pieces? Because Philly is not I mean, not they can't afford yes, Conley, obviously. But does Philly – how about Tobias Harris for Conley swap? Okay, that's more interesting. That's more interesting mm-hmm. because both of those contracts are egregiously Big. large. Could also Tobias, go Hor- could also go Horford. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and then, then trade Gobert to someone else. I could see it. I yeah, I think the Sixers would much rather trade go Horford for Conley than than Harris for Conley. than Tobias Harris because at least you get some offense with Harris. Absolutely. No, that's true. I didn't. I totally didn't even think about Al Horford. That's a good point. Yeah, he's being paid twenty eight million a year. It's hilarious how dumb the Al Horford move is. It's like, oh, Disgusting. our only attempt the only thing we, we want just to do wanted to keep away from boston as long as we keep away from, and then boston sweeps them <laughs> it's even funnier though how sixers fans tried so hard to convince themselves that it was a good move like, who's gonna stop this team the three-point line <laughs> father time they should have been great on defense not only do they have all those guys they, they all got draft, so tired Tybal. yeah i love oh, wait, i love can't play you can't play a starting rotation i love Tybal and shake, shake milton and Tybal are best role players on that team Shake Milton and Tybull are so much fun. Honestly, Matisse Tybull's NBA bubble content, top-notch stuff. If you guys haven't watched that, oh, it's, well, it's, it's great. great. I've seen some of it. Yeah. yeah. I think Shake Milton's odds of winning most improved player next year are relatively high. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued with that. Yeah, if he's leading that team. I think prob- he's he's probably my my dark horse. I think Christian yeah. Wood also has, if we were talking about him. He has Christian Wood de- is definitely my favorite for that award. Yeah, depends on the I'm fit. I'm excited. Depends on the fit. Um, I also yeah. think if... If the Pacers 
uh, manage to get some sort of playmaker for Oladipo, whether it's Gary Harris or somebody else. I don't else. know. I think Brogdon's a fine playmaker. Yeah. I mean, Brogdon is, I'm saying if they're able to, if they're able to get rid of Oladipo to allow Sabonis to have the ball in his hands more often, I think Sabonis could be, could be a contender for, for most improved next year. Send Sabonis back to the Magic, see what happens. No, thanks. I'm <laughs> Send Sabonis him. and Oladipo to the Magic for... Markel Fultz and Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon, no thanks. <laughs> no, I think that would be a definite downgrade. What if they threw in Kem Birch and Mo Bamba? Mo Bamba's interesting, but also still a downgrade. Remember, does, Sabonis was an all-star last does Chumo, year. Does Chumo no Kiki, slouch. What is, is he, your appetite? I thought we were supposed to change his name. Isn't he Domas now? Domas, Domas is just a nickname. Yeah. yeah. It's not like a it's just a nickname. Carlo, it's, it's what Dickens Europeans do. It's like it's like how Petrovic was Petro. Um, his last you know, name is he draws? Dre, Dre Petrovich. They just like they just like abbreviating those names and making nicknames out of them. They do it. They do it for chess players a lot of the time too. What's Luca? L- Luca? Luke? Luca? Well, it has to be an actual name, right? Don. Like Luca Don. Don. Luca. The Don. <laughs> the Don. <laughs> why is oh, nobody like, stops? Why has nobody called him Don Luca yet? I don't know. <laughs> uh, stops is that, but I think it's an American kind. All right. I I think. I think we're getting to the end of it right here. All okay. right. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah. Uh, we are going to have a strange NBA offseason. I, once again, I don't know if I can call it exciting because we're either going to see a flurry of trades in the next five days and then a weird as hell draft, which we hopefully have prepared you for in some way, or we're just going to see like none of that happen. The draft go relatively boringly and then free agency be really uh unexciting which and for i don't know the most important thing that happens yeah. we will yeah we will find out all we know is we're getting a bunch of rumors flying around it's gonna be fun we are gonna have um a draft recap pod on thursday night and then we're gonna have two pods next week because tuesday night we are getting wick terrell the managing editor of reds sv nation coming on to talk about some baseball maybe talk about trevor bauer who might be a met by the time that happens but we will see you Dope. guys next week sounds good <laughs>